This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Many Christians, may, perhaps most Christians, have the idea that all prayer is the same. And the Bible instead tells us and identifies in the New Testament that there are nine different kinds of prayer. You can see Jesus praying many different types of prayer. And as such, different rules govern different types of prayer. It's, uh, we've used the, uh, the example or the analogy of sports. Somebody may say, well, all sports are sports. Well, that may be true, but they're not all played by the same rules. In the same way, not all prayer is prayed by the same rules. James chapter 5, uh, uh, James says by the Holy Ghost that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That word effectual means effective. So if, he, if he's telling us that effective prayer works, then that means we can also have ineffective prayer. I believe that much of the church at prayer is ineffective. We certainly know that not every prayer that uh, people pray for answers do they get their answers. And therefore, unless Jesus lied to us and said we could have whatever we asked for, unless that's a lie, then that means the church doesn't understand certain things about prayer that would make their prayers work. Or in other words, that where they'd get the answers to their prayers. So we're talking about one specific kind of prayer. It's what's known in the Bible as the prayer of faith. It's the, the prayer whereby you receive something from God. And, um, uh, and I'm, I would encourage you uh, to, uh, to get Brother Hagin's teaching on this subject, Seven Steps to Answered Prayer. He divides his... Uh, I'm using all of his notes, by the way. Uh, there was, uh, these are things that, uh, that I learned from him and things that after hearing it time after time after time, finally it started sinking in and changed my prayer life. And as such, I would encourage you to get a hold of some of his teaching on that subject. Now, he divides these, uh, these steps into seven. He calls them seven steps to answer prayer. I categorize them in a little different way. I come up with four steps, use all of his same points and so forth, but I just group them in a little different way. So I'm going to give you, and we began last week, on the four steps to, to getting your prayers answered. Now, this is you receiving something from God for yourself. Now, I, you can't say this too often, and that is if you will faithfully follow these steps... Now, nothing much works in life if you're not faithful at it. But if you will faithfully and diligently follow these steps, you will get an answer to your prayer to receive what you want from God every time. That's why Jesus talked with such certainty, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Because He intended for us to pray according to the rules outlined in the Scripture. Well, step number one, we talked about that last week. Uh, we use John chapter 15 and verse 7 kind of as a, uh, a beginning text or a golden text. John 15 verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now I want you to notice that he does place a condition. The conditions, actually there's two conditions. He said, if you abide in me, which means prayer is based on relationship. You can't abide in him unless you're a child of God. You can't be a child of God unless you make Jesus the Lord of your life. So prayer, answered prayer is based on relationship. So he's talking about the Christian at prayer, or he's talking about the church at prayer then, isn't he? He said, if you abide in me, that's requirement number one, criteria number one. If you abide in me, number one, and number two, and if my words abide in you. Now, if just being a Christian meant you got the answer to every prayer, prayer would never be an issue or a problem for anybody, would it? But you know as well as I do that as a Christian, you fail to get answers to your, some of your prayers just like I have. Well, what does that mean? That means that we're not living up to the second criteria. That means we're not fulfilling the second requirement. First requirement is if you abide in me. Number two is, second criteria is if my words abide in you. 
So that brings us to step number one for, for steps to answered prayer, and that is decide what you want from God and find scriptures that promise you those things. Your prayer has to be based on God's word if you're going to receive anything from Him. Now, why is that? Because faith begins where the will of God is known. If you, don't find, if you can't find a scripture for what the Bible says is yours, you're never going to know what God's will is for your life. And that's where most of the church is praying. Well, Father, we ask that you would heal me of this sickness if it be your, if it be your will. Well, how are you going to find out His will? Most people, if you'll ask them that, they'll say, well, I just figured we'd pray, and if God did it, then we'd, then we'd know it was His will. And if He didn't do it, then we would have to assume that it's not His will. Well, folks, God doesn't change. That means God's will is not one thing for you and another thing for me. His will is always the same. So if you get an answer to your prayer and I don't get an answer to my prayer, the church says, religion says, well, I guess God wants different things for different people. Well, then we've got some pages to tear out of the Bible. Because the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. It says He never changes. So then how are we going to know His will? We can't know His will just from experience. We're going to have to learn His will from His Word. That's why it's important. Absolutely critical that you find a scripture that promises you the things that you want from the Lord. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week and went into much greater detail, but notice John fifteen seven again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Notice there's not one word about you praying the will of God. Now, when you say that, some people just turn off and say, okay, whoa, you, we can't ever expect to pray anything contrary to the will of God. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you know His word, you do know His will. If you've got scriptures that promise you the things that you want from the Lord, then you have identified what is the will of God. You are already praying the will of God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. He goes further in verse, seven, uh, verse 8, rather, and he says, Herein is my Father glorified. Wherein is God, is God glorified? What does he mean? Herein is my Father glorified. That you bear much fruit. What in the world is he talking about? It's saying very simply, God's glorified when you get answers to your prayers. Now religion seems to give us the idea, I don't know if it ever comes out and says it or not, but the implication is God delights in keeping you in the dark. God must get some kind of kick out of, uh, you know, his children having no clue. Is God going to do this? Maybe God will do that. I asked for this. God said no. I asked for this. God said wait. Who knows? And so the church then finds the Word of God and says, His ways are higher than our ways. Yeah, the Bible does say His ways are higher than your ways, right in the middle of when it's telling you to get a hold of the Word so that you can know His ways. That's what he's talking about when he says His ways are higher than your ways and His thoughts higher than your thoughts. Then what are we supposed to do? Get the Word of God so that you can know His ways and think His thoughts. He's not saying you'll never know Him. He's saying here's how you can know Him, and that is through the Word. So decide what you want from God. Step number one is decide what you want from God. Find the Scriptures that promise you those things, and get those Scriptures down on the inside of you. Meditate in those Scriptures to where they become a part of you. Now, you've got to be ready to use those Scriptures against the devil when he comes to try to steal the promise from you, because he's going to come. So you've got to have a defense made beforehand. Now, folks, please notice we haven't even started to pray yet. These four steps to answer prayer really come down to three stages or three time periods. What you do before you pray, the time that you pray itself, the prayer itself, and then the last two steps are what do you do after you've prayed. It covers before, during, and after prayer. 
If you're going to get an answer to your prayer, if you're going to receive what you want from the Lord. Step number one is all about before you ever say a word in prayer. Now, today I want to talk to you about step number two. And that is the prayer itself. Now, here's the second step. Ask God for what you want and believe that you receive it when you pray. Now, turn with me over to Mark chapter 11 and verse 24. Jesus giving us some instruction on this subject. In what I believe are the most concise instructions in all of Scripture on how to receive from God. Jesus has just performed a supernatural act of cursing the fig tree, the living tree. He cursed the tree, commanded it to dry up from the roots, and the next day it was dead. The disciples came by and they asked Jesus, what about this? And Jesus explains to them that it was the operation of faith that produced a supernatural result. Now, Jesus answering in verse 22, we'll get down to verse 24 and focus on that, but I guess we better start in verse 22. Jesus answering them when, the, when Peter called the, the tr- dead tree now to his attention. He said, Master, the tree that you cursed yesterday was, is withered up and dr- is dried away or dried up and withered away. Jesus answering said unto him, Have faith in God. Notice Jesus did not say, Yes, this is to prove that I'm the Son of God. He said, Have the faith of God. Or have faith in God. Different translations translate different ways. Either way you want to translate it, it still comes down to one important truth, one important fact, and that is the understood subject is you. In other words, he's telling them how to do the same thing that he just did. Have faith in God. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you that whosoever... So this must work for whosoever's. He said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart... But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. What's he saying? He's saying, here's the principle of faith. Believe in the heart and say with the mouth. The principle of faith is to believe in the heart and say with the mouth. Now verse 24 tells us how faith works in prayer. Notice verse 23 doesn't say one word about prayer. It's talking about believing in your heart and speaking or saying with your mouth. Verse 24 tells you how to pray in faith. Or how to pray the prayer of faith. That's what step two is. Ask God for what you want and believe that you receive it when you pray. Mark 11, 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Now that sounds a lot like John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will or what you desire. And it shall be done unto you. Here Jesus is saying the same thing. So we see he's got to be talking about the same topic. He said... What things soever you desire. Notice it doesn't say what God desires. It says what things soever you desire. Now how are you going to find out what God's desires or God's will is? The Word of God reveals it to you. What things soever you desire when you pray. Everybody say when. When always means time. And so many people read Mark eleven twenty four and miss the whole point of what he's talking about regarding time. He said when you pray. What things soever you desire. When you pray. Believe that you receive them, meaning the things that you desire, and you shall have them. So what is he saying? He's saying you have to believe when you pray. Well, what do you have to believe? Just exactly what he said. He said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. So what do you do when you pray? Step two, steps to answered prayer. What is the important step? Ask God for the things that you want. And believe that you receive them when you pray. Now, folks, 
there's something that you need to understand, that the Bible makes a distinction between believing and having. Look at Mark eleven twenty four again. He said, when you pray, believe that you receive the things that you desire. Believe that you receive them. That's what he's talking about. And you shall have them. So believing you receive is at a different point in time as having. Now let me show you, let me try to illustrate the point. How many of you, if I told you I've got a $100 bill in my pocket, how many of you would believe that I've got that? Okay, I've got some. <laughs> that means only one of two things. You either don't care or you don't believe what I, that what I say is any good. That's the, There's only two options. If I tell you I've got a $100 bill in my pocket, you have a choice of whether or not to believe based on me and my character. I mean, if I told you I had a million-dollar bill in my pocket, okay, that would be a little bit easier to decide. Those are a little less common. Hundred-dollar bills are a lot more common than million-dollar bills. Is there even any such thing as a million-dollar bill anymore? I don't even know. But you see the point that I'm trying to make. A hundred-dollar bill, those are in circulation. Yeah, okay, he could have a hundred-dollar bill. Doesn't mean everybody you see is going to have a hundred-dollar bill, but it's possible that he might have one. So, therefore, you're going to be based... You're going to base your belief or lack thereof on one and only one thing, and that is whatever you trust about me. Folks, you need to understand that this is the whole issue of faith. Faith is about what you think of God and his word. Because there's nothing that the Bible promises that's impossible. There's nothing that's too big for God. Now, if I, again, if I said some outrageous amount or sum of money that you wouldn't even think that I might even have the capacity to own, now you're not just basing on what you think about me or what you think about my word. You'd be thinking about whether or not I even have the ability to produce that kind of money. Right? But that's not possible where God is concerned because nothing is too big for him. There's nothing outside the realm of possibility where he's concerned. So everything about faith comes down to one and only one thing, and that is whether or not you believe God's word is what he said. That's it. That is the subject of faith in a nutshell. Now let's get back to the subject. We were talking about, if I make the statement, I've got a $100 bill in my pocket. Some of you... Maybe those of you that know me well enough, or whatever you base your opinion on, some of you are going to say, yeah, I believe that's true. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you now believe that I have a $100 bill? Why do you need to believe it? You can see it. Do you see the point? You don't need faith for something you can see. Now, I know how we use the term. How many of you believe I've got a $100 bill? Well, yeah, okay, I can see that you've got it. Sure, I believe it. The Bible makes a distinction between those two, two different ways. The Bible says believing is when you can't see. Seeing is having. He said if you believe it when you can't see it, then you shall have it. Do you see the point that he's trying to make? Now, I want you to look at several scriptures with me real quickly. I want you to look, first of all, to um, um, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Hebrews 11, 1. Romans 4, 17. And 2 Corinthians 4, 18. We'll start with Hebrews 11, 1. All of these have to do with the subject of faith. And let's compare what the Bible says about this faith so we can understand what it means to believe that you receive when you pray. Hebrews 11.1 says this very simply. It says, 
So now then, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see it? You got it? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I'm going to read to you Romans chapter 4. Now, if, if there's any way possible for you to see these side by side, it would be a help to you. So put your finger here as you turn to them, and, and then we'll go back and forth. Romans chapter 4, verse 17, speaking of Abraham and using his example of faith for us to follow. It said, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believes, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. The subject is, is identified in verse 13 where it says, We having the same spirit of faith, we believe and speak. So he's talking about faith here. 2 Corinthians 4.18 While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or subject to change. That's what temporal means, subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now folks, I want you to understand something very, very simple here. I'm not going to try to blow you away with some depth deep teaching or anything like that. I want you to understand the simplicity of faith. The simplicity of faith is first and foremost this. Faith has to do with things. Do you see that? Every one of the scriptures we've used, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, what things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them, meaning the things you desire, and you shall have them. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of Things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. What's he talking about? He's saying faith has to do with things. Where do we go next? Romans chapter 4 verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations, whom he believed even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. That's the same example that Jesus used when he cursed the fig tree. He said something about the fig tree that was not in physical evidence at the moment. He called things that were not as though they were. Finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, While we look not at the things which can be seen, but the things which cannot be seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or subject to change, and the things that are not seen are eternal. Faith has to do with things. Now, some people, again, some people turn you off right there. Say, well, that's just materialistic. Folks, I didn't say just material things. Faith has to do with things. Material things, spiritual things. Faith is necessary to be saved. That's a thing. Salvation is a thing. Without faith, you can't become the righteousness of God. Righteousness is therefore a thing. Healing is a thing. James chapter 5 and verse 15 says, The prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick. So healing is a thing. Holiness is a thing. Sanctification is a thing. Love is a thing. All the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance, all those are things. Money's a thing. They fall, all fall into the category of things, and that's where faith works. Notice there's a difference between things and people. You can't find anywhere that, where the Bible says if you use your faith, you can change people. 
Wouldn't that be nice? It it doesn't work. Your faith's not going to change anybody. Your faith works on things. And in the two scriptures that we started off with, John 15 verse 7 and Mark 11 24, they talk about things that you desire. Not things that you desire for somebody else, things that you desire for yourself. Faith works in the area of things. Now, why is that important? Well, because we've seen on two occasions, two of these very same scriptures. And and folks, we could go even further. We could use other scriptures to to justify this or to prove it. James chapter 1, for example, talks about if any of you lack wisdom. He's talking about when you're in the middle of a test or a trial or a hard place in life. He said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man, the man that goes back and forth, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Faith is all about things. Being strong in faith is about keeping your eyes on the right things. Being weak in faith is going back from looking at seen things to looking at unseen things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, again, talking about the spirit of faith, the way the spirit of faith operates is, while we look not at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are unseen. So then what's the prayer of faith about? What does Mark eleven twenty four mean? It means when you pray, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, the things that you desire, and you shall have them. How do you believe that you receive things? By looking at things that are unseen. The prayer of faith is, is the prayer of looking at the unseen. It's looking at the unseen. Same example as I used with the $100 bill. You're taking God at His Word and accepting that to be truth, not because you see it, but because God said it. There was somebody here that, uh, that came up to me, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, something like that, and, and um, had shared with me that there were some other people that, were, uh, that had given her some information, some materials, even some things from our bookstore about being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues. And, uh, and this individual said, you know, I, I've prayed and, and uh, asked God for it and nothing has happened. And, 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 you know, people, bless their hearts, when people don't have experience in spiritual things, people that are trying to help other people kind of feel responsible for whether or not they get it. I, I understand that. I, when I used to lay hands on the sick, it was kind of like, okay, God, if you don't show up right away, then, you know, they're going to think I don't have anything. Well, I learned to, to, to overcome that obstacle, that objection. I tell people up front, I don't have anything. Then they're not looking for anything from me. That just relieves the pressure for me. But anyway, this, uh, this person was saying, well, you know, sometimes it works like this. Sometimes God fills you, but then you don't get the, your prayer language. You don't speak in tongues until, you know, many days, sometimes weeks later. Folks, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak. The Bible shows us that the evidence of being filled is speaking in tongues. You don't say, well, I asked God to save me, and then six weeks later, He changed my spirit. It doesn't work like that. If God honors His Word, then what you ask for, you receive in a spiritual context. So, so she was a little bit confused and, and, uh, and had been told some different things. And so I said, well, okay. I said, uh, uh, let's sit down. As a matter of fact, it was a, uh, I think there was a newcomer's fellowship thing going on in the fellowship hall. And so I said, all right, well, let's take a minute and just go sit down. We did. We went and sat down. And I just very simply took her over to Acts chapter 2. And I said, all right, now, uh, the, here's the deal. Anytime somebody prays and asks God to be filled with the Spirit and then they don't speak with tongues, it's got to be one of two things. 
Either number one, they don't believe in it, or number two, they, and, and the, number two is really the most common, and that is they don't know how to yield to it. It's got to be one of those two things. You either don't have faith to receive or you don't know how to yield. I usually work on the, the uh, I'll, I'll hit both of them, but I'll usually work harder on the second one because that's usually where people's problem is. And so I talked to her a little bit and t- turned her over to Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And I said, all right, now I want you to see something here. I said, what does the Bible say? And they were all filled with the Spirit and began. I said, who began? She said, well, they did. I said, so then they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who did the speaking in tongues? She said, well, they did. I said, right. A lot of people have the idea that when you're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Ghost comes upon you, takes hold of your mouth and your tongue and your voice and makes something happen, and you just sit back and and go along to the right. That's not what happens. Folks, I'm talking right now in English. Maybe not very well, but I'm talking in English. In the same way that I choose to speak in English for you to understand, I can choose to speak in other tongues and, and trust the Holy Ghost to give me utterance to speak. It's a choice. It's an act of the will. That's where a lot of people miss it, where being filled with the Spirit is. So I just very simply showed her. I said, here's what's going to happen. I said, we're going to pray the same prayer that you prayed before. We're going to say, Father, I thank you. You are my Father. You've saved me. Now your word says that the baptism of the Holy Ghost belongs to all of your children. So I ask you to fill me now with the Spirit. And I expect, here's the important part, here's faith and action. I expect to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives me utterance. Very simply. We prayed the prayer, laid hands on her. She lifted both hands, started speaking fluently in other tongues. No hesitation, no hindrance, no nothing. I mean, just bang, she was going. Let her go for a little bit and talk to her. And I said, now, I said, are you aware that you spoke in something, a language that you don't know? She said, oh, yes, this is wonderful. Showed her that you can start it, you can stop it, you can control it. God doesn't embarrass somebody by it. God doesn't make it happen. God doesn't force anything of himself on anybody. And I said, now, what made the difference? She said, I don't know. You just showed me very simply that it was something I was going to do. And then all of a sudden, it just happened. Folks, I want you to understand, faith is based on knowledge. If you don't know what the Bible says is going to happen, you're not going to know what to expect. And therefore, you're not going to know how to cooperate. Faith is always based on knowledge. People have this idea that faith is this, or people use the term, this blind faith. But folks, faith is the least blind thing of anything in life. Faith is identified by the Bible as what will happen. The Bible tells you, here's how it will be. And that's what you have to believe. The Bible says in John chapter 15 and verse 8 that God is glorified when we get answers to our prayers. God wants you to pray with a specific purpose and get a specific answer. Come join us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. My mother called up and said, you have to turn on the TV, you have to watch this man. Suddenly we're watching it every Sunday. It started the whole, well, maybe we should go to church. We're going to get out of our pajamas on Sunday morning and we're going to go to church. And now you can't get us to not come to church. And pastors teaching, you know, it was outstanding on television but you were kind of shocked by how much more there was when it wasn't just the half an hour, but you know, his full message. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.